Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle Podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle Program, and I'm your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is The the Philosophical Equations of Economics. And uh, these books are available free for viewing at uh, thephilosophicalangle.com. If you'd like to contact us and make comment and inquiry or make suggestions, and feel free to give us an, an email at contact at thephilosophicalangle.com. Along with me is my colleague and host and uh, and friend, and uh, Rick Samuelson. And Rick graduated from Yale and, and Wharton as an independent venture capitalist out on the West Coast. Good to see you, Rick. And you. The purpose of the philosophical angle is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media, and secondarily, to you uh, to use those definitions to understand the righteousness and ethical superiority of the conservative viewpoint. And this week, we're going to talk about why the left cannot answer a question directly. And uh, I'd like to uh, I like to watch shows as much as anybody else, and uh, particularly I enjoy Tucker Carlson on Fox News, as he is uh, he's uh, very bright and, and incisive, and and I like Hannity too. And I've noticed one particular point when they interview a Democratic liberal uh, on their show. I've noticed that uh, they. Uh, the libs, the people answering the question, that they actually can't answer a question directly when posed to them by by Tucker or um, or Hannity, and and, and I, I got, you got to ask yourself why is this? Uh, they never can answer a question directly. It's amazing, and how, how can they avoid it? Uh, well, luckily uh, you have the in, the. Uh, philosophical angle here to answer this question and so uh, um, we're going to explain this and uh, so liberals like any other person will will answer your question as long as it isn't a positive knowledge rules based question and uh, these questions of the positive rules type cannot be answered by a left leftist and and I, I can see uh, everybody's kind of going like um, well, Suffren Succotash, um, what is he talking about? Positive rules and all that sort of stuff. Well, <clears throat> a progressive liberal doesn't like questions that, that note the right of citizens. They prefer questions that consist of anti-knowledge. And, uh, and, and to explain that, the nature of, li- of liberalism is that the progressive Democrat thinks that the nature of others is bad. They believe that the human condition is a, a sorrowful one, that uh, that it, people are inherently bad, and and if you're not of the liberal beliefs, then you are even evil and hateful. And the only people that are good are those that are are like themselves, progressive liberals, and that that hold for all people. Uh, they, they believe that all people should be equal in every respect. Liberalism has a, a tenet that all should be created equal, and in order for society to, to be so, liberals want to depend on the coercion powers of government to enforce uh, their, their dictums. With the power of government 
it can shape society into one of total egalitarianism. Uh, with this, with this, uh, the end result is is a society such as envisioned by you know all the the famous the famous liberal egalitarian communists such as Marx and Engel and and Lenin and Stalin and Pol Pot and and uh, so government anyway so government uh, coercion is necessary it's a necessary ingredient uh, to to formulate to ensure their ideology or, or should I say theology uh, along with government coercion comes the rules uh, the regulations the dictums the strictures and 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 the other forms of rules based directives that that tell the individual what not to do in society. These rules are, are used to, to whittle down the freedom of an individual so that he is restricted to the point that he is equal with all others in all respects within society. The nature of all these rules and directives and, and so on and so forth is that is as if they are actually anti-knowledge. And what I mean by that is that regulations fight against positive knowledge that, that runs the transactions that make an economy. <coughs> knowledge consists of information which is the, the first ingredient uh, of the stimuli that come from within the body and also from without the body that, that come to, to, to one's uh, consciousness. And secondly, the, the incoming stimuli which is information coming to, this, to the consciousness will take on a, a priority which allows us to order our lives and which are which are bits of knowledge actually and these priorities indicate to us whether and to what extent the information is important to us even when something like 2 and 2 plus equals 4 it's a piece of knowledge but we remember it because we remember that knowledge because we transfer it from information to knowledge because we know that Knowing this little bit of arithmetic is important to our life and that it will help us in the future. So when information comes into our consciousness from without, the, the free will determines how important that information is to us and attaches an, important, an importance that prioritizes that importance. And, and when this degree of importance is attached to the, to the incoming stimuli, it becomes knowledge. And, uh, and and this knowledge is used to order our lives to be able to to do things that we want to do on, on a daily basis and 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 uh, or in the future or and we want to do things that always that are good for us and and therefore we use knowledge to to make our lives better. Uh, we use this knowledge to to help us create objectives and and effectuate those objectives to attain goodness for ourselves. And for our families and and for others in in our society, the, the directives and and regulations and laws of government come along and act as a, a deterrence to the effectuation of our priorities at times, and which which we do when we are we are free to obtain goodness for ourselves and and our families. But sometimes this can lead into the contradiction to these laws and and, and rules and. And the government rules override our effectuations and, and thus it squashes our attempts to, to live our lives sometimes. And the makeup of our effectuation to attain goodness is our knowledge, 
our time, our effort, in an atmosphere of risk and opportunity to attain this goodness, to attain a reward for our actions, for our sacrifices. And so we do everything we do. We sacrifice everything in order to achieve a reward which has goodness. And But the rules and strictures of government, they sometimes come along at times and contradict the the knowledge portion of our sacrifice and 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 thus it limits us sometimes. Therefore we can we can denominate that there are rules of government that are by their nature anti knowledge. But luckily in our society here in the United States, there's a document which prohibits the over extenuation of the laws and rules and of government, and it's called the U.S. Constitution, along with the the Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights is a set of positive rules that puts a limit on the government and puts a limit on, on, on the severity of the laws and regulations that that a government can produce. And so we could call this Bill of Rights an anti anti knowledge document. And of course, a double negative is a positive. So the Bill of Rights really is a pos is positive knowledge. So when the, the liberal takes a look at a problem with society and he sees a solution through government coercion, but sometimes this coercion runs up against the, the positive knowledge of the Bill of Rights or, or other laws that are passed uh, against government powers that, that run up directly against the negative regulations that government and its bureaucracy are, are want to produce, then the liberal will not answer that question. In fact, not only is this germane to political conversations and, and political documents, but also to other situations, especially in philosophy. Uh, in philosophy, where sometimes the con- uh, uh, when we can give a concept a specific definition, such as to something like ethics or something, uh, they'll not answer these questions if we, ha- if we pose them to, to, to the liberal. And so why is that? Why would they they care if a question involves negative knowledge of uh, laws and regs and or or, or the uh, or the documents about positive knowledge? The nature of the answer lies in the connection between the the left believing that those that are not of the progressive left by their nature are bad people, and in the belief that society is best if it is egalitarian, and and they. They believe it is egalitarian for the following reason. Should be egalitarian for the following reason. It starts with an assumption that that people's essence is bad. Again, we get back to that their belief that the people's essence is bad, and people are by their nature not good. This, of course, uh, refers to people who are who are not of the progressive left, such as probably most of the people listening here are conservatives and independents. And if the the people are naturally bad. They, the leftists, need the power of government to come in and keep order in, uh, with these people that, that are not so good. Uh, if people are inherently bad, then the government is needed to bring in the rules and regulations and, uh, and all sorts of anti-knowledge rules that, that can govern these bad people. Uh, thus, the, the left has a tendency for a bigger government to, uh, to control society and to make more rules and laws and regulations to govern all the badness of, of these people and uh, that 
typically produce uh, goods and services in society. And if uh, and and sometimes they get ahead, and when they get ahead, that's uh, they're obviously they're they're obviously bad, and so they need these rules to uh, to control uh, these people who get ahead. And if people are are, are not of the progressive left are, are bad by their nature, then 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 uh, obviously that something is not equal. It means that what they've gotten is ill-gotten. And the natural assumption assumption is that if they have more than somebody else in society, such as their neighbor, and, and since they are bad there, they most likely got it through illegal, coercive, immoral, or, or, or surreptitious means. And, 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 and so their wrongdoing provides the head start of the non-progressive Democrats. So they, they, they get ahead in society um, because they've, they've done something wrong. And so the Republican has a head start and, and their succeeding generations therefore have, a, have established a privilege. In other words, their the progeny or the second generation has a head start and that provides them their privileged lifestyle, which they're always talking about, white privilege and, 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 uh, and, uh, and, and the sort. The left believes that this bad nature of the, the non-leftist plus privilege produces a society, which would be a caste society, which is a, an upper class, which results where, where, the, where the wealthy upper class keep the peasants, the proletariat, the, the servants, and the, and, the, uh, and the lower class in their place. Uh, the liberal mind thinks that the conservative will try to keep their wealth and not let anybody else come to the top so the rich will get richer and the poor will always get poor, uh, poorer and, and, uh, and, and be there to serve the, the upper class. And of course, this, this is the thinking of those who represent the ultimate left progressive thinking of societies that were written about by Marx and Engel and, and and effectuated by somebody like Lenin and Stalin and, and Mao and so forth. But of course, that is not the case. Even the wealthy always want more goodness to come into their lives, which is the first rule of economics. You always want more good. They are always open to seeing more goodness come into their lives, never ending. So if a poor man comes up with an idea to bring goodness into a wealthy man's life, into a wealthy man's society, he will embrace it and purchase it from him and help the poor man become wealthy. But uh, we're digressing a little bit here. Uh, to sum up, the left feels that the nature of all those who are not of the progressive utopian socialist Democrats have a, a nature that is bad and and society needs the essence of the rules and regulations that govern those people which are of the anti-knowledge type but, but they are not so familiar uh, uh, and they are, are not so much in agreement with those rules and regulations and laws that put a limit on the, on the anti-knowledge such as the Bill of Rights and, and the Declaration of Independence and uh, they, are, they are not in, in agreement with such positive rules-based Standards because they limit the amount of anti-knowledge that uh, that can be produced to govern those who are that need to be governed. 
Therefore, they can only speak about how bad people are and about the negative knowledge that is needed. They cannot speak of virtue and justice and ethics and other concepts that that are defined by positive knowledge. And so they they won't answer any of those questions involving those concepts e- either. And what do you think, Rick, what, about about the about all of this? Well, I think there's a lot of strategy going on here, and it's been in place for years. It's evolved um, amongst progressives. Um, the, the Constitution itself is an enormous obstacle, um, and they've tried, you know, with the Warren Court and, and and you know other courts to undermine the Constitution and have succeeded at, at times. But the reality is, it's it's a, a document written by geniuses, uh, and as the old saying goes, you know, we have a government run by idiots. Um, the the fact that it's it, it's so brilliantly uh, assembled and designed it is an enormous obstacle and it's forced progressives to attack the 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 problem of uh, pushing a socialist agenda with different tools than would otherwise be the case if we didn't have a constitution. It would be much easier to roll over um, existing legislation without the constitution, without the Supreme Court, um, without that hierarchy of um, judgment that enables the Supreme Court to actually overrule all of the all of the courts in accordance with a closer reading of the constitution. Um, and some of these tactics they resort uh, to have been enormously successful. Uh, if you look at the content, the actual content of college curricula today versus 25 years ago, um, how much you know, identity politics has been introduced, how much um, the, the traditional subjects, um, uh, which curiously enough are product of a lot of white men in many cases, not all, strictly, um, have been either diluted or eliminated. Um, this whole uh, drive toward, uh, and I see it my, my own daughter's education, toward making uh, college all about electives, right? Uh, so, you know, kids are naturally attracted to taking the, you know, the easiest courses possible. Uh, whether it's on transgenderism or um, uh, cinema-related courses or uh, other subjects that aren't fundamental to the Western tradition as it's been practiced for literally hundreds of years. Um, And so, uh, and and again, you see it in uh, also the types of Legislation they're pushing. You see it in the the, the types of uh, issues they protest about. This is all about molding the narrative, um, and instead of having fact-based debates, which they abhor, 
and which they're trying to drive out of the universities, they prefer to mold narratives that can't be challenged. And that's why freedom of speech, again, hearkening back to the Constitution, is such a problem. Right? If you have freedom of speech, inevitably there's debate. And debate does not support the narrative. And the narrative is we're trying to impose a, a, a set of outcomes okay, irrespective of the process by which we get there. So a clear example of this is um, the New York school system, right? The mayor currently is trying to eliminate the testing requirements for the elite uh, New York schools, like Stuyvesant, which for years it's sent smart kids, a lot of smart Jewish kids, for example, in, in, in years gone by, to the elite universities and been very successful at it. And they happen to have an entrance test, and it's hard. Well, it turns out that, you know, now these elite schools are 50% or more Asian. Um, they're a bunch of whites. And then, you know, the blacks and Hispanics make up 2 or 3 or 4% of the school population. Well, this isn't the right outcome. It doesn't fit the narrative. And so we have to eliminate the uh, test find other criteria so we can alter the makeup of these classes and ensure we have, you know, a just, quote-unquote, socially just outcome, what they call social equity uh, at the universities, uh, which is a phrase you'll see, you'll see pop up. Uh, I, I read it in the you know, Board of Trustees minutes uh, uh, and other pronouncements uh, from Yale, for example. Um, so... Uh, and, and that is why the, the conversations they're willing to have are very stilted, um, not, not born of a genuine desire to explore the facts and let the results of that exploration speak for themselves. Not a desire to uh, employ critical thinking of an issue, whatever, whether it's abortion or uh, immigration or what have you, but rather accuse, accuse the other side of some sort of heinous crime, and of course the ultimate crime is racism today. Um, uh, excuse me. Um, and, uh, and that's why it's that's why the, the willingness to debate or even even entertain other notions is declining, and I don't see that changing um, anytime soon. So you're uh, you're saying at the universities they uh, they've switched out critical thinking for social equity. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, and, and it shows in the courses too, selection of courses. Yeah, I see it. I see it. At, you know, in the course offerings. Uh, my daughter uh, sees it at uh, Whitman College. Um, it's, I mean, it, you know, in, in 25 years ago, there were much stricter requirements in terms of what a freshman or sophomore would have to take. Um, a bit of math, a bit of English literature, a bit of science. A cross-section of knowledge and then you would specialize uh, and I'm not telling you anything I don't know 
in your junior and senior years. Well, today, it's mostly just electives, and with the result that uh, students are denied uh, the opportunity to be guided uh, in a way that would give them a more thorough, fundamental understanding of basic subjects, and then allow them to choose. Is that is that a problem at Yale too? Yes. Yes. With many many schools. Oh well. Okay, Rick. Uh, thanks for uh, this insight, and uh, we'll thank everybody for looking at uh, the philosophical angle program, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Philosophical Angle podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment. 